Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. On a beautiful Fan Friday edition of Locked On NFL Draft. It's been two weeks. It's been two long weeks since we let the good allies of the pod completely take over the podcast via their Ask Me Anything questions. So we know that you guys have been chomping at the bit. To get to us, especially since Ben doesn't have a Twitter account right now. We're going to get to that. That's going to be the, one of the questions that we're going to get to in the show. Dealing with I why don't want to talk about it. Currently does not have a Twitter account. But Ben, my friend, other than being logged off beyond your control, how are you, my friend? First, you call me a friend twice. I appreciate it. You are my friend twice as well. Uh, secondly, the being logged off thing actually has been kind of nice. I'm sure it has. Um, I went fishing three times this week. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. Um, I'm sure you were just I, thinking about tweets the whole time. Well, but that's the thing is that like you do. I I I check Twitter way too much. I'm on Twitter way too much, and so whenever I go fishing, usual circumstances, every thirty minutes, I'm like, I should check because I should see what's going on. And it's yeah, like you, you don't. Yeah, you're, you're like throw the line in. You pull the phone out. You're big chilling. Right. You're you're reeling it Especially, in slow. Which, yeah, I've been in a slump this last week, and so... Wait, that what does that mean? Have you caught nothing? Not nothing, but I'm really... I'm trying to learn how to frog fish, which is a particular t- type of bass fishing. Frog fishing is, a, is um, a little bit tricky, a little bit finicky, a little bit situational, but it's very explosive. When you get a bite, it's sick. Um, and I've never frog fished before this summer, and I am not good at it yet. <laughs> uh, and so I go out there... I frog fish, which anybody who bass fishes knows frog fishing, like it like takes muscle. You like twitch your wrist constantly. And so like, you, you get sore and you just don't get any blow ups, any bites, like two and a half hours. You're like, I'm an idiot. And then wait, what's the cool part of it? What's the like, so, what, like why, what's the big, what's the big payoff? I'm so glad you asked. So when you think about bass fishing, what do you think of at the, at the end of the line? You think of a worm, right? I think of a bass. Well, okay. I'm talking of the bait. A uh, hook. <clears throat> yeah, but what's on the hook? Usually people think of a worm, right? Some some sort of bait. Yeah. Worms sink. Little little creature baits, right? Little crawfish looking things, they sink. Uh little little swimming minnows, little, you know, shad, little tiny imitation bait fish, sink. At least the way that, they, that you fish them, you pull them underneath the water, right? All all the varieties of baits, 95% of them sink. There's a very small percentage of baits that are called topwater baits. And those intentionally float and sit on top of the water. And the idea is that you mimic something that rides top of the water, whether it's a bait fish or, in my case, a frog. And then the fish see, mm. feel that vibration. I was they wondering where we were getting a frog from. Yeah, yeah. So I've got, a, I've got an imitation frog at the end of my line. And I pop it back and forth in the water. And what happens is when a fish bites that, instead of when, when your bait is underneath the water and you have to do it exclusively off of feel and you have to know what a bite feels like and how to set the hook and where the fish is taking the, bite, the bait in its mouth, frog fishing, you just see the water beneath the, the frog vanish, 
the frog gets sucked down into nothingness. And then there's a big splash as the fish swims back down and kicks his foot, uh, his, his tail back up into the water. So it's like a huge engulf and a kick. So it's called a blow up because you see the water like splash. He's hyped about feed. this, folks. He's yeah. hyped. So it's a very it's a very explosive way of fishing because the bite is is extremely reactive. It's it, it, it's explosive, and usually, small fishes ain't going for frogs. They know what they're about. Frogs are a little big for them to swallow, um, and they're worried about coming up to to, to the surface because there are predators there. It takes big veteran fish to go hit a frog, and so mm. when you do catch a frog fish, usually it's a toad. Um, and so it's a very fun way of fishing that I'm still learning how to get my uh, my head around. So basically. I spent all week sucking at frog fishing, thinking to myself, <laughs> oh, you should check Twitter, and then reminding myself, hey, you don't even have – you're right. not even right. following anybody at all because they won't let you into your freaking account. So it's like you would see anything anyway, so forget it. Yeah, now you just nice. get to dwell in the sucking of, of not being good at frog fishing. That's all you have. Well – Jokes on you, because then I would just give up, put other baits on, and then I would catch stuff on that. And then, then you go back to it. No, you got to challenge yourself. This is the time. When are you ever going to have the time to become a better frog fisherman? Hopefully in August, because apparently it's easier post spawn. But whatever. We have a lot of questions from you guys, the allies of the podcast, to get to here on today's Fan Friday. Uh, for those of you that are new. You're five minutes into this podcast, and if you're still hanging around, this is the first episode you've ever listened to. Wow, kudos to you. You have have a lot of perseverance. Maybe they just like fishing, Trev. We normally talk a lot of football on this show, especially Monday through Thursday, but Fan Fridays, we open it up a little bit more. We do get to your questions that have to do with football, and there are plenty of those that we are going to get to throughout this show. A couple really good ones, I must say. But we'll also get off the rails a little bit. So, Ben, if you are ready, I will... Get to the very first question, which is a doozy. Doozy. You ready for it? I would like to hear it. Let's do it. Okay. This question is from Ben, not Solak, but a different Ben. So, so my friend Isaiah and I, big allies of the podcast, shout out you and Isaiah, we're having a friendly debate and we thought, who better to settle this in Sycamore and Solak? Uh, he actually said Solak and Sycamore, but I uh, I flipped it on purpose, you know, because it's yep, yep. My, my podcast. Yep, for sure. Ben said, I'm a diehard Denver Broncos fan, and Isaiah is a diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan. Typically, this isn't a problem, but recently we got a house together, and there is only one TV for us to watch the games on. As you guys know, Denver games typically come on around 4, 4.30, and Cincinnati games typically come on at 1. This is all Eastern time. However, there are four times this year when Denver and Cincinnati play at the same time, ergo our current predicament. Now, for the first week of the season, Isaiah and myself will be at the Bengals Week one opener against the Vikings at home. This may or not may or may not prohibit me from watching the Broncos the first game of the season. My offer to Isaiah is this. Let me watch the first two infringement games of the season on the TV with no flipping back. This is when the both of them are on the same at the same time. Due to the fact that I may be missing my team's entire first game due to being in Ohio. Uh, and we do a 50-50 split for the other two games. That are there. He disagrees and said that going to the week one game is only worth one free Sunday infringement when the other two games are on. You guys discuss what we should do. Feel free to answer however you two seem fit. Thanks. Love you guys. Okay, number one. Congrats on the new house. It's very exciting. Yes. Number two, just to make sure I have it correct, the Broncos and the and the and the Bengals usually play at separate times. There are four times where they play at the same 
time. Correct. And you want to have two of those four games. Yes. And then split the other two where they're flipping back and forth for the other two. Because attending the Bengals game week one may make you miss the Broncos game entirely. Correct. Yes. Here's here. I'll, I'll be very frank with you, Trevor. Yes, please be frank. I mean, my name's Trevor, but you can be frank. It's fine. Don't call me Shirley. I would. I, this would be more difficult if I both these teams were good, or even if one of these teams were good. Yes. Why correct. are you trying so hard to watch the Broncos? Why wow, you? Wow, you brought the. You said the Broncos first. You didn't say the Bengals what? and the Bengals. You said Listen, the Broncos first. Here, what's going to be more upsetting? To be a Bengals fan and watch the second year of Joe Burrow, the first year of Jamar Chase, and the team <clears throat> potentially on the upswing, even though Zach Taylor maybe needs to be replaced, or have a really, really good roster, a good head coach, good defense, and watch Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke interchangeably screw your season chances as they both start and are bad this year. Yeah, but what if they get Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, okay. Do we think that that's happening nice. July 23rd, Trevor? Non-zero, dude. Non-zero. How long, dude? Never underestimate Aaron Rodgers' ability to be a baby. That's very fair. With that <laughs> said, I really do think we're, we're approaching. He can't. He's not really going to get traded anytime soon. Right. Territory. I, <laughs> right. Think that, okay. that, I agree. All right. So we, we got to decide here. Is going to the Bengals game worth Two free, we're not flipping back and forth weeks later in the year. Is he pay? Here's here's my question. Is Isaiah paying for your ticket to go to this game? Because if he's not, then Ben, you're willingly just going to the game. And I know like you want to go together because it's your friend and it's cool to go to NFL games, but... I would tell I mean, you yes, that it's but only imagine worth how bad one. of a friend. Imagine how bad of a friend you would be if you'd be like, "Yeah, but in order to be able to watch one more Broncos game <laughs> without impediment, I'm making you go alone." You know what I mean? Like to me, that yeah. I think it's I only think, worth one. I think it's worth one. I think it's worth one full game. I think the fifty-fifty works elsewise. But I would also say, you know, I, I didn't check the schedules. I would imagine by the third quarter. Even on the week in which like Isaiah's got full control and it's exclusively the Broncos game, you'll probably pop over and check the Bengals game, right? Nobody has as much of an iron resolve in practice as they think they do at the bargaining table. So I really don't even think you have to make hard and fast decisions on this. Again, it's very unlikely that the Bengals and the Broncos, in the four games in which they, they overlap, both end up in compelling sporting events, I'm afraid to say. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that like, you know, if... The Broncos were like going to become a Super Bowl team, then yeah, I'd be like really fight hard to make sure you, you can watch them. Or if the Broncos and the Bengals were good, I'd be like, yeah, you want to talk about this beforehand and kind of figure it out in case they're playing really good divisional games, whatever. In this case, I would say just like, you know, one game and 50 50 the rest of the time. And then I'm sure one week the Broncos will be like hanging with the Raiders and the Bengals will get destroyed by the Ravens and you guys will stay and watch the Broncos game more. And then the other overlap, it'll be different. So yeah, just, you know, be roommates, decide as you go. Final verdict and, is is one game, though. I think this podcast is going with the final verdict is going to the game is worth one game of exclusivity, and then the other three have to be 50-50. Alternatively, what you guys could do, just buy two other TVs for like 100 bucks and get YouTube TV instead of whatever cable you have. Just put one TV on the Bengals game, one TV on the Broncos game, and then one TV on NFL Red Zone. 
wow. tell Alexa to play Locked in NFL Draft the entire time. That's uh, actually, yeah, that's that's some real pro strats there. Okay, Joel asked this and question, he, and he asked it two weeks ago, so we had to get it this time. Might be real divisive. Might stir up great debate between the two of us here on this podcast and friend groups around the world. Rank the numbers 1 through 10, 1 through 10. Can either be general or just about football. Uh, I went for general. Uh, it's pretty much the same for me, so yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, mine's probably is as well. All right, from the bottom to the top. Yep. 10. What? I knew that was going to piss you off. You tense, You have 10 is the worst? Yes, single digits are better than double digits. Not, no, not all. Are you kidding me? What, are you kidding me? Would you like me to finish my rankings? You kidding me? Sure, yeah, go ahead. It's already bad, so go ahead. From the bottom to the top. 10, 6, 2. 2? Oh. 9, 4, 3, 1, 5, 8, 7. Okay, so you have eight. What was it? What was the third one? Five. What My podium is 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 seven, eight, and five. So seven is the best, then eight, and then five. This is listen. Am I committed to these rankings in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely not. I just went with my heart for three seconds and ranked the numbers one through ten, one through ten. I can't believe with you that said ten. With that, with that said, what's wrong with you? These are completely correct, and I will hear no argument. Okay, all right. From the bottom to the top, the correct rankings of the numbers 1 through 10, going 10 to 1. 6 is the worst. 6 is just ugly. The, just the design, the overall design of the number 6. I mean, it's 6 just, is definitely bad. It's not appealing. 4 is next. I mean, like, it's just, it, it's weird. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to write it. However way you want to write it, it just doesn't look good. It's too pointy. It's like a fork. I don't know, man. I'm just not about it. Uh, then I have nine. Nine is is fine. We're getting into the fine category. Four and six are like bottom tier numbers. Like those, are like that's the lowest bucket for me. I have I have no affinity for either of those numbers at all whatsoever. Uh, then I have nine, three, five. I would say is the next bucket. So I have I have, I have five at number six. And then my top five numbers are ten, eight, one. Seven, and the best number is two. Okay, so we were different on ten and two. Yeah, but like, yeah, but drastically different. Like, it's not like you were like, oh yeah, ten and two are okay. You were like, ten's the worst thing in the world, and two was like what eight uh, for in you. The, in the scope of these ten individual numbers, yes, ten is the worst thing in the world, and then two is eight. How how did we get here? Very easily. Uh. 10 is double digits, and it's not as neat as the other numbers. It's nice to write the single digits. And then 2 is just very boring. It doesn't do very much. Uh, it's just second. It's inherently inferior and, and and scrambling to be the top and always missing and failing. It It's embarrassing to look at in public. Don't you ever talk to my son, Jason Verrett, ever again. See, right. So it's like Don't I, I did you totally ever. agnostic. Talk about my son, Jason Verrett, ever again. All right, so that was fun. I knew that, that would be a good exercise. Uh, Adam asked this next one. He said, if you and Ben were baseball players, which we obviously are, uh, we just, I mean, we don't play in the MLB by choice. I don't know if you guys knew that. 
we we chose doing this podcast over having an MLB career. I didn't know that. <laughs> I wish someone had told me that. He said, "What would your top three walk up songs be?" Uh, hope you guys had a good Fourth of July. Thanks, Adam. All right, I went for a song that makes me way sound way cooler than I am. Mm-hmm. Baddest Man Alive by the Black Keys, tremendous song. Uh, they wrote it for uh, the Man with the Iron Fists movie. I want to say, uh, delightfully obscene. Uh, don't co-sign like 75% of what they say in that song. So like the 25% that would work, that's what I would have to play. What, what does that mean? Like, what do they talk about in the song? He makes some very grandiose claims about his manhood, uh, which I, <laughs> and I would not. He, he, he's the baddest man alive, and he's generally just like trying to convince you of that. He's, I'll grab a crocodile by its tail, handcuff the judges, throw the cops in jail, make the meanest woman break down and cry. I'm the baddest man alive. Like that's the general vibe. Um, but then he just makes some metaphors. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm I got the lyrics up right now. Bungee jumping off the Empire State, butt naked, rollerblading across the Golden Gate, butt naked. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He says he can take the pitchfork from the devil. Yeah, take the sergeant hat from his head and use it as a frisbee. Right, a lot of things that again, I, I'm fine making the claim to. Yeah, I mean, you could do that. I'm capable of these things. Um, but it, officially, do not endorse. So, bad has been alive with white keys. Okay. Uh, How You Like Me Now by The Heavy. I enjoy this one because it sounds like a very cool song, right? How You Like Me Now. But also, it's a very, it's very, <laughs> that's how it goes, Trevor. No, I know it does. No, I'm, I'm laughing because it's, uh, being, like, it was so good that it just evoked a reaction from me. And I just, the I didn't know is, what to do. So then I laughed. In this context, yeah, tell me about it. Batter watching up to, walking up to the pitcher. I walk him to the batter's box. I should, I should say, it's very appropriate. Yeah. How you up like the, me? Yeah, now? up to the plate. Yeah, stepping well, up to the dish. Right. You're asking the fans, "How you like me now?" And the fans are like, "Well, we'd like to see the results of this encounter first. How you like me now? <laughs> if you strike out, not as much as if we would like you if you got it. So it's like, how you like me now? We're, we're this is see. so much more analytical than oh, mine mystery. is, but I obviously very much appreciate. <laughs> I didn't mean to it. I just like went and like scrolled through my life songs, picked some songs that sounded fun, but then I realized I have reasons for all of them. Um, and then the third one, it's a psychological effect. Uh, take a walk by Passion Pit, and it's just oh, wow, nice hammering. Just the chorus of "Take a Walk" if you don't know the song is just and I to go walk, take a walk, and so we just, the second the pitcher sees me, we just start hammering him. Take a walk, take a walk, take a walk. <laughs> just give him a walk, man. That is Intimidation great. factor. This is the best choice for you. So those are my three walk-up songs. I do like that. That's really good. I mean, like, I think I thought of three songs that I listened to, like, in the gym or, like, to get me pumped up or in the zone. So they don't have nearly that kind of a backstory. Uh, the first one's Future, uh, March Madness. I mean, if, for anybody who knows the song March Madness, it's impossible to not get absolutely hyped to that song. Uh, the other one's a little bit of a... Um, a switch in tempo and feel it's still fly by big timers. So, I mean, that's just like a, you kind of walk up and you're just like, your head's nodding and you're just like, all right, this is right. Uh, like, like right. It. It's kind of, it. it's kind of like the, I'm the man feel, but I guess like without the weird lyrics, like you're just bobbing your head, you're getting this. <laughs> right. And then, uh, have you heard the song Ali Bounanier by the game? Have it you heard this? Familiar. It's by the game and it features Rick Ross and um oh who else is in it? Two Chains. These are the three guys that are in it. And it's basically just it's a longer song. Like it's four 
minutes, 30 seconds, or like five minutes, and it's just going absolutely ham for five minutes. It's truly one of the best <laughs> gym songs of all time. And that that song, Ali Boumanier, gets me so absolutely hyped. If I heard that and I had a bat in my hand and I was walking up to the plate, I'd just point to the fence. My coach would be screaming at me. He's like, no, we don't want you to even swing. You don't even have the swing. And I'd just be pointing at the fence. He'd be throwing sliders in the dirt, and I'd be taking absolute golf swings at it. Which actually probably would not make it a good walk-up song, but it'd get me hype. So, Those are my three. I need to listen to that. I'm also looking at the lyrics, which you do not know for the Batman Alive. I'm looking at the lyrics for Ali Bomaye, and it seems like they make some grandiose claims in here as well. <laughs> That's, look, folks, if you uh, learn anything from this podcast, which we know it's very minimal— uh, just understand that often some of the best songs in the world make uh, grandiose claims on things that you can do and the person that you are. And as long as you have a good beat behind it, we're going to love it. BuiltBar.com. Serving up the best tasting protein bars on the planet, no doubt about it. They've got nine incredible flavors, including mint brownie, Strawberry, cookies and cream, German chocolate, raspberry, coconut even. That's not even including all the limited time flavors that they... Time, <laughs> limited time flavors. Limited time flavors. Limited you ever think about eating an time hour? Well, you can. Flavors. <laughs> I just finished Loki uh, last night, so I just have the theory of time on the brain, I guess. They have... Flavors that are only there for a limited amount of time. There we go. These protein bars, not only do they taste fantastic, but they're great for your diet as well. They are low in calories, low in sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber. If you go over to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCK15, that's LOCKED, and then 1-5, and you're going to get 15% off whatever your next order is. Their boxes uh, come with, I believe it's 18 bars, and it's just a really good deal. It gives you a lot for every single order, and like I said, if you're ordering a couple of different boxes, if you see some flavors that you love and you use that promo code, you're getting to save a lot of money. So go check them out. Best tasting protein bars on the planet over at BuiltBar.com. We got more Fan Friday Madness coming up after the break. All right. Back to your Fan Friday questions. Connor asked this next one. Aside from quarterback, what are positions that have had the prototype changed most recently in recent years? What are some trends in the game that have necessitated these changes? And then are there any current trends in the league that you think will force prototypes at other positions to change in the future? I think it's a great question. Yeah, so I think in terms of changes that we've definitely seen recently that we can put our thumb on and you know discuss the impact. I think your your I wouldn't really say your prototype slot receiver changed because I don't think previously there was like a different prototype for the slot receiver. It's just like as eleven personnel became a thing, as three wide became a thing, that prototype of the slot receiver being able to say, hey, we can just take a short guy. We wouldn't want to play on the outside. We can play him on the inside and have him maximize the two-way go that the slot affords with quickness. That's a pretty good example of like a prototype that I think has recently come up in the last few years. Um, you could argue, or that'd be in the last like two decades. You could argue that the Seattle Cover Three Corner Mold is a new prototype uh, in terms of why the Legion of Boom was successful. There are many, many reasons, 
But when you can get your starting corners as fifth round picks and UDFAs because everybody else in the league thinks these guys are too tall and too long to play the position successfully. Yeah, that 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 the fact that the the Seattle cover three corner wasn't a prototype before Seattle and cover three made it a prototype, I think certainly matters there as well. So those are like some previous prototypes. I think right now probably your biggest changes are safeties because mm. again, like in that Seattle cover three mold and engine in the general traditional mold, you had a guy who was your free safety and a guy who was your box safety. You needed a player who at all costs had to have range and, and the ability to affect multiple routes, the ability, the ability to affect balls deep down the field. That's your free safety. And then a box safety who at the expense of other things has the ability to fill against the run, right? Be physical, go be large against tight ends. Now with the onset more of two high coverages and the, the desire to disguise coverage shells until the post snap look, the desire to have an extra body deep to discourage the explosive play in the deep pass, safeties have to be interchangeable. That's your John Johnson mold now, right? Of the uh, um, of the Los Angeles Rams, your Justin Simmons of the, of the Denver Broncos. Got to be able to play single high and, and be a reasonable threat. Got to be able to play down to the box and be a reasonable threat. Got to be able to play man coverage and be a reasonable threat. Because if I get two of those guys, it's going to let me hide what I'm doing, and that's going to be way more beneficial to the the defense than having a good free safety and a good box safety. So that safety prototype, I would say, is changing. Yeah, I, I, I thought about safety just because you have to have a lot of versatility in, in both spots now. It's There are a lot of teams that are just coveting that, trying to get the, both of those players because, like you said, they're trying to disguise whatever they're doing on the back end. They're trying to not give it away until the play's going on, but have a lot of confidence in where their guys can get with a lot of good range as well. I think linebacker is a big one, off-ball linebacker specifically, because... You look at maybe 10, 15 years ago, you think about, oh, like three good linebackers on your team. You're talking about, yeah, okay, maybe like a bigger body guy and a little bit of a faster player when it comes to a Will and a Sam, a weak side linebacker and a strong side linebacker. But now you're looking at teams, they're basing themselves out of nickel. You know, you're you're having two linebackers, fewer linebackers on the field uh, the majority of the game. And, and not only that, but the two linebackers you leave out there, they got to be fast. They got to cover, right? I mean, these guys, they have to be more of athletes than they were before. You know, linebackers, they just used to be known as the meatheads, right? The the right. weight room warrior dude. Like, that just used to be linebackers. Like, let's go fill the run and, and just be physical. And that just used to be what you were looking for. And the more guys like that you could get in the middle, you'd be like, okay, we're going to stop the run. We got strength in the middle. And now, I mean, if you got one guy like that that you've got to go out there and play sometimes it's it, it's a vulnerability for you and so um I think the linebacker has definitely changed a lot especially in what teams are prioritizing more I mean we saw Fred Warner just reset the market for the highest paid off-ball linebacker in the NFL and why does Fred Warner get that money well coverage speed instincts ability to play in space uh, being able to cover inside slot players number threes and so um it's it's totally changed i think the way that the nfl has used and viewed linebackers over the last 20 years it's not the same they're getting a lot more athletes in there and so we're seeing a lot more of blending of of, of positions here with linebackers than we have before yeah i think the line the linebacker one is tricky because the i, I suppose right like i thought about it in terms of prototypes he just said tendencies and so right just like Fewer linebackers on the field is a tendency, and then what the linebackers look like when they are on the field is also a tendency. There's, so there's like two things that are happening at the same time. The other one that I thought of was like guard. But I thought it, about guards as well. Yeah, like and like it seems like silly to be like guard, but man, you know when 
we see like Garrett Bradbury go around one. We see like Caleb McGarry. I just named a center and a tackle. Okay, offensive lineman. When we see, yeah, so yeah I mean, you could just say interior offensive linemen. I mean, they're more yeah. interchangeable now than they have been before, and I think that we're asking right. them to be more athletic than they have been before. Exactly right. When you see these players go around one, who are just so light and and lack density relative to expectations for the position, uh, it, it's a testament to how much mobility matters in the offensive line in the modern running game. Uh, with like the the onset of wide zone play action and and the onset of duo and you say okay if we're gonna have you block these interior guys we're gonna have you do it with with true double teams get away now with three hundred pound guards uh, get away now with three hundred and ten pound tackles who are six foot eight like McGarry is you know what I mean like you don't need density anymore now McGarry hasn't been too good uh, Garrett Bradbury had a really nice second season so it's like you know uh, it's not like these these guys have been home runs or anything but you've seen I think the league become a lot more interested in accepting of just fleet-footed, lighter-in-the-pants offensive linemen. And in terms of, like, currently ongoing tendencies, I think that is one that is still getting riddled out because when teams then say, all right, we're going to get super big and play with three guys in between the tackles on the defensive line against those, those running games, there's not really a clear, great answer yet on how to deal with that besides, like, you know, have unbelievable athletes mm-hmm. on the interior offensive line in terms of like strength for their density. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay, if you have all really good players, then you have the answer. But schematically, there isn't as much, and so that's a tendency to me that's still like ongoing and is still getting sussed out. Uh, we got a couple from the premium Slack that I wanted to get into. These won't be the only ones from the premium Slack, I don't think. But uh, just shout out to all those fine people in there. If you guys could have all the resources available to you, what hobby would you guys pick up? Mine personally blacksmithing not from me that was from the, just a from the tremendous answer though yeah no truly yeah I, I i i don't agree that i wouldn't want to pick that up it seems like it's a lot of work but you know but that's the point he says if you have all the materials right no yeah i get it but just like even the hobby itself it just feels like a lot of work you know well yeah i mean mine would be like wood turning and carpentry so very similar just different tools but like the like creation from like a raw material to me that's the coolest hobby uh, and I think that like wood turning stuff is super freaking sick. Uh, so that would be mine. So I'm very much in the blacksmithing mold. I would I would want my hobby to be time consuming. It, that's what gets me out of doing other stuff. Oh, that's fair. No, that's fair. Uh, mine. The first one that came to mind for me is drumming, like musical, like full right, drum yeah, yeah. kit. Uh, and the reason why is because I, I used to I, when I grew up, I played uh, I played drums uh, in the church band that I that I went to. Uh, I played in the drum line in high school and I love drums and I would love to keep playing drums. But the thing about drums, Ben, they're loud. And unless you have like a soundproof music room, it's not even like you can put a drum set in your house. You just everyone else who lived there would hate you at all times. Like even if you got an electric drum set, an electric drum set is not even really like the same thing. It's just it's not the same feel to it. And so. If I had all of the resources available to me, like if I had just a sound, completely soundproof room, I would love to have a drum set. I'd love to get back into drums. Um, playing ice hockey is also something that I would love to get into, but ice hockey also requires a lot of time, a lot of money spent in the equipment needed to play the game. And also, of course, you need a ice rink that you're close to, uh, an ice league that's there. And so I think that that's a lot of things that if they were manifested, I would enjoy doing that. And then the final one, which is sort of closer to the blacksmithing and carpentry mold. I'd like to be one of those dudes who built like those battle bots. Have you ever seen that show? 
Oh yeah, those are pretty sick. Yeah, so like I'd want to, I'd obviously have no idea what I was doing at the beginning, but maybe like partner with somebody, be like a BattleBots apprentice, you know, learn the ways, and then eventually build my own on the side, and then take down my old teacher, you know. Oh right, little little movie arc for you. Yeah, yeah. See, there we go. I like it. So yeah, BattleBots would be the uh, would be. The I can movie. envision a dramatic uh, Martin Scorsese shot. Yeah, you know, yeah, John Williams score of just like an extremely garish chainsaw blade dropping down in slow motion <laughs> onto like a yellow and green little truck called the Dominator or something. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, this next one: Would you rather waddle like a penguin when you walk and be able to fly, or run like a gorilla but be able to swim great and breathe underwater? Is it? My current physiology stays the same. Yeah, you're you're the same person. Yes. Then it's walk like a penguin and fly yeah, by a mile. Agreed. agreed. Right. If I could get gorilla, uh, uh, what's the word? Size? Are you talking about like you, yeah, you size, like girth? Like you just want to be yeah. you want to be huge? Dimensions, dimensions. Right, right. Oh, okay. If I could get gorilla dimensions and like tough knuckles, maybe. But even then, like I'd rather like waddling like a penguin is fun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and then you can fly. And so it's like you're not even gonna be walking that much anyway. You know what I mean? Walk like I'd be walking. Um, hey, I'm walking here. I'm I'd be, walking here. I'd be walking like a penguin, and somebody would look at me like, "Look at that idiot! Like, walking like a penguin." And then I would just like look at them, softly flip them the bird, and then fly, and then I win. So. I feel like Penguin is the move. Andy asked this next question, and it is it is a great one. It's one of my favorites that we've had so far this summer. He said, if the MCU characters were teachers, which classes would you want to take the most? Uh, Bruce Banner, teaching science. Thor, uh, Jim, basically just how to be Jack. Uh, Tony, auto shop. Natasha, English, Groot, horticulture. Wanda, foreign language. Doctor Strange, math. Captain America history, Shuri engineering, Loki study hall, Thanos philosophy. So how are we doing this? You want to like pick the three you would take? Like, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I didn't plan on drafting them because I think I felt like it would be just more fun for us to be able to pick the right. ones that we really like. So what? Th- I'll just say what three. Which three would you want to go with? I would want to do Shuri engineering for sure. Yes, Tony Auto Shot for sure. Yes. And it's either Loki study hall or Thanos philosophy. I I'm I'm also very intrigued by doing science with Bruce Banner. I feel like that would be cool. I think Bruce would be very prototypical professory, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I tried to <clears throat> orient my answers towards like stuff that I like, right? Like Shorty with engineering and Tony like Auto Shop. I mean, I don't really like cars, but like, I like building stuff, and that seems obviously Tony would be fun. But I also like, wanted like the personalities. You know what I mean? Like, uh. Bruce would be, I think, very, like, prototypical teacher. Like, Doctor Strange would be very, like, prototypical, I'm a genius professor. You know what I mean? I've already hung out with those sorts of people. Like, these seem like interesting people to hang out with, plus cool subject matter. I think I would choose... I would choose Thanos' philosophy, and then everybody fun and cool would be in Loki study hall, and I'm back, I should pick Loki study hall. But <laughs> Thanos' philosophy would still be very interesting, I feel like. Yeah. I, I think that that would be a really good one, especially because you could just go back and forth with them all day. You know, it'd just be it'd be it'd be one of those fun college classes where you're sitting in a giant auditorium like room and Thanos is at the front and he's explaining his thoughts on how to save the universe. And you're trying to argue with him and nobody's budging. And I don't know. That also seems great. So 
I thought that was a fun question. I really. I just feel that. like he would just like you know, he would just like walk into class and he would like hit the, the dimmer, and like the lights would like go to the middle tones and he'd be like perfectly balanced as all things should be. I'm like you said that in the movie. Like that's just how class would be. Uh, Chaz asked this next question. He said, what NFL quarterbacks would you put in the buckets of better than their supporting cast, worse than their supporting cast, or about equal heading into 2021? I only did the two buckets, better and worse, because I feel like there's a lot of quarterbacks who are in the about equal. So it was kind of just like, I I broke up the quarterbacks that I saw in those two, and then it's just like everybody else is obviously closer to equal, so... Right. Well, I uh, I did all three buckets, and I'll be honest, my biggest bucket is the about equal bucket. So, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, you got me there. You go, uh, and then with your two buckets, and I'll go with my three buckets. Okay. Um, I I feel like there there could be a great debate with how many guys that we have in each. It sounds like you've got more names in these two buckets than I might have. So. Better than their supporting cast. I think if you're putting Deshaun Watson in this list, he's obviously far and away in the better than his supporting yeah. cast. So he's he's. In I did lots of yeah. I also think that now that Julio Jones is gone, I think Matt Ryan is in this because I I take into account the offensive line, also the running back depth, and yes, I do think that Calvin Ridley is really really good, but. I think that Matt Ryan is good enough of a quarterback to have more than that. So the debate also sort of comes in with Aaron Rodgers there, but I didn't put Aaron Rodgers in the better than his supporting cast because at the end of the day, he still does have Devontae Adams and a really good offensive line and Aaron Jones with him. So I don't think Matt Ryan has that. So I put Deshaun and Matt Ryan in the for sure better than their supporting cast areas. And then worse than their supporting cast, I have... I have Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins. It's not this runaway answer, but I do still feel like they would be in this bucket. Uh, and then I have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I have both of those quarterbacks, whoever it's going to be. All right. So, I I mean, like, I, I, I Rodgers is one of my players that I cheated with. I cheated with Rodgers and Prescott, and I just put them in the middle of better than their supporting cast and as good as their supporting cast because they're about as good as their supporting casts. I couldn't put Prescott in there because I think Prescott's amazing, but he has Zeke, Cooper, CD, Gallup, and that offensive line. The thing is, like, do I think the Cowboys have, like, a top five supporting cast? Yeah, I do. Maybe. I I mean, maybe it's not top five. Maybe we could run through it, but I still think they'd be close. Right. I think it's, like, fringe. And then I think that... The uh, like I think Prescott's a fringe top five quarterback, and so it's like, all right, I'm really have to split hairs to try to figure out a way to get them figured out. Like Pre- Rogers, like that Prescott was like that. Josh Allen was like that a little bit, but I ended up saying Josh Allen is is better than a supporting cast just because Josh Allen was like no running game. Um, Mahomes and Russ better than their supporting casts. Uh, I've Justin Fields better than his supporting cast. I don't care. Like I was horrible. Um, Brady. <laughs> Brady See, is I, like I was I was much closer like like you put Mahomes is better than his supporting cast like he is they have two they have two receivers I mean they have two receivers and capable running backs and they just redid their entire offensive line like I, I get like if you want to hold Mahomes to like he's the greatest quarterback on the planet I guess I get it but I right. I I did I went about this exercise leaning a lot more towards 
the middle ground for a lot of this because I, where I think that Mahomes is incredible, he has the best tight end in the world. He has one of the best wide receivers in the world. He has a good running game, and now he has a good offensive line in front of him. To me, that evens out. Like that's like okay, you're right. you're you're not being super let down, or you're not super backpacking your whole team. Firstly, how much is a good running game the product of Mahomes? I would argue a fair bit. Secondly, doesn't even matter. Is Mahomes is better than a supporting cast? Okay, all good. right, okay, yeah. so, all right. So we just we just went about this a little bit differently. Yeah, so I Brady is better than his supporting cast, but that one's just like freaking it, whatever. Like it's the best quarterback and the best supporting cast. Just shut up. Uh, Deshaun Watson better, Josh Allen better, Lamar Jackson's better. Um, I think Lamar, yeah, could. Dig yeah, it. right. Just Lamar is, is integral to that running game, and then the passing game he's being held back by Greg Roman. Uh, equal. Derek Carr, classic. Uh, Justin Herbert, tricky one to place. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, he's terrible, but Detroit's terrible. Kyler. Not yet elite. Arizona's supporting cast is solid. Definitely not elite. Uh, Stafford. Jalen Hurts. Eagles supporting cast is horrible. Jalen is maybe good, but uh, probably not that good. I don't know. I have Matt Ryan here. Uh, love Matt Ryan. Still think the supporting cast is good in Atlanta. Uh, all of his line isn't great, but I think the receiving core with Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and, and Russell Gage is more than sufficient. And I think Arthur Smith gives that situation a boost as well. Uh, Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, rookies kind of in good, but not yet proven situations. And then Joe Burrow, who supporting cast recently rose to Joe Burrow's level in Cincinnati. Worse than their supporting cast, uh, Drew Locke, Trey Lance, San Francisco has such a good cast. Uh, Fitz, Washington's got such a good cast. Uh, Daniel Jones, Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, Tua Tungabailoa, Carson Wentz. Indy's supporting cast is awesome, even if Wentz is like... 2019 version of himself. He'll still be worse than the Indy supporting cast. Uh, Cam. New England improved it a lot. Cam is obviously still a shaky player. Baker. Let's call a spade a spade. Baker's not bad, but he's definitely worse than the supporting cast. Uh, and then Ben Roethlisberger, who's just at this point a limiting factor on the series. Oh, yeah, all. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ben's probably on that list. I think the whole question actually just comes down to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like, like, you could do this entire exercise and everybody would get hung up by where do you put Baker Mayfield? I'm, Baker was an easy one for me. Listen, it's not, is he bad? It's, is he worse than a supporting cast? Yeah. How much worse is what Browns have to figure out this year? Because if it's like a little bit, then it doesn't matter. It's totally cool. If it's like a lot, then then you got to make a tough decision. Yeah. Uh, if you had to compete in the Summer Olympics event tomorrow, what event do you think you could meddle in? And if you had six months to train, what Winter Olympic event do you think you could meddle in? So this question isn't uh, what what summer olympic event can you meddle in the question is what summer olympic event can you be most hidden in by your teammates and the answer is probably soccer i have soccer on here as one of my yeah. two um i could also be the guy who sits at the front of the rowing canoe and yells out tempo i keep a very steady pace and i'm very light and so these are these are good good traits to have That's good yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah as the rowing as yeah. the as the sit on the rowing thing like, oh, go go they said you'll be great at it. Faster. You see that? That's unbelievable. Um, Winter Olympics, the if, if, every single answer is curling and it's not close. Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So the only other one that I have on here is for Summer Olympics. And I mean, I, I say that I could meddle in this. I absolutely could not. But badminton is is the other one because have you watched actual badminton highlights? Yes, yes. No, no, no. These I, I guys have- are Bananas. I know, I know, I know. But like, I couldn't pick table tennis because those guys are 
and bananas. <laughs> because, because you can like you can achieve like a certain speed with the ball and like you could just always get faster with the game. Badminton, if you smack the ever living crap out of the birdie, like it will still just naturally like slow down to a point. So like there obviously you've got to play the game and get a lot of experience and everything, but I feel like there's a cap to like just how athletic it would it would take for you to be good at this game. And so that's the only other one that I put on there that wasn't like soccer where reflexes have to be absurd though. Yeah, I'm like a cat. Got reflexes like a cat, Ben. Okay. Then you'll be great. I know. This next question, movie football player rankings in an Oklahoma drill. Rank them on how they would perform against each other. Junior from Gridiron Gang, Vince Papali from Invincible, Booby Miles from Friday Night Lights, Maggot from The Longest Yard, uh, Bateman from The Replacements, held out Bobby Boucher for obvious reasons. How many uh, movies don't know have the, you had? Have you don't seen? know the obvious reasons um, because I don't. Yeah, no, I've seen none of these movies. Uh, I think none? I saw Invincible. Wait, wait, you've seen none? Okay, uh, no I know. I, I figured. I figured that you have not seen no to Gridiron Gang, no to Longest Yard. Um, have you seen Invincible? I feel like I did like many, many years ago. Ben, it's about the Eagles. Yeah, it's a super old movie though, right? Not super old, but like decently old. Uh, no, I mean like it, right. I don't know, like ten years ago. I don't know. Exclusively rankings, exclusively based off of Google Images. Okay, this will probably actually serve you well. Vince Lapaulis at five. Yeah, that's I've, correct. Megan and Booby Miles tied. Yeah, okay, this is great. You're doing good. Junior Junior at two. Yes! And Bateman at one. Wow, Bateman, you did it. Bateman very evidently is an intense individual. Yeah, you did it. You did it. Former yeah. cop. Bateman's a former cop. And he's the just, you know, third like, photo of him on Google Images has blood all over his nose. That was really <laughs> the deciding factor for me. Uh, to a question about Ben's Twitter account. Uh, where on earth did Ben... Oh, no, this isn't about your Twitter account. This is something different. We'll get to that in a second. Javal, this is from Javal. He said, where on earth did Ben get the saying, quote, he knows where his bread is buttered? After hearing it last week during the QB episodes, I can't stop thinking about how hilarious it is. All right. So where his bread is buttered is, is a classic interest, uh, is a classic idiom. Uh, and I like idioms. And I always just like end up cyclically finding a couple that I think are are cute and then wanting to use them. Because they're just fun to say. I like them. They make me laugh. There's no other reason for it. Uh, so I don't think it came from anywhere particular. Like, I don't think I, I remembered it for any one particular reason. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I was I was doing Let Sleeping Dogs Lie for a while. Now I'm doing Knows Where His Bread Is Buttered. And I'm just going to kind of keep doing that and we'll see where it goes. I do feel like we said that a lot last week. Yeah, because once I start talking about things in a certain framework, I can't stop. So now the rest of summer scouting is going to be like, because that's, that's where his bread is buttered. It's a thing that I, I've talked about before. Where I'm like, he knows what he's good at, right? But now I've just got a more fun, hokey way of saying it. Go Hokies. Hopefully this isn't too late. Well, Phil. Guess what? It's not too late. You made it. If you could only choose one for the rest of your life, would you rather, having not, not having the ability to do the other? Only talk about sports on podcasts or only be able to write about sports. Has to be podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. For, like if when you write, it's a big, it's like it's very like intentional. And so like right now, like I write about football and I write about X's and O's and analysis. So if I even like just wanted to write about like you need a freaking trade Ben Simmons, I couldn't like do it. 
unless I was like working for myself and it was just like, here are the things Ben writes about football that he'll never be able to talk with you about ever read my blog. So if I do a podcast, then like, you know, we would log on and be like, all right, it's summer scouting. Let's talk about the tight ends. I beg first, here are several thoughts about the summer Olympics and the 76ers. And like, and I could just like, you can make sense. It's conversational. You can bounce around and get on more topics and it's just more fun. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's more, it's more, when we think about sports, we think about talking about sports before we write up, think about writing about sports. And maybe like 30 years from now, when I've been writing about sports for 35 years, then I'll be like, yeah, write about sports. Like, that's how I do it. But I'm still in my head like a talker about sports more than a writer about sports. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's I agree. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. And you just you get to put more of you into what you're talking about when you get to actually use your voice or – be on camera or whatever it is. I mean, like I, I, I love writing. Don't get me wrong, but like you said, there's just there's so much more versatility. There's so many different ways that you can branch out sports conversations. Whereas if you write about sports, it's just singular topic stuff. You can't word vomit. You can't have Fan Friday on paper. I, I feel like it just doesn't, just doesn't work. And we'd, uh, we'd hate to lose that. We really would. This one's from Rick. Said Shohei Otani decides baseball is too easy, which, I mean, we're not far away from that at this point, and enters the NFL draft. How highly is he drafted? Uh, he has prototypical arm, size, speed for a QB, and at worst case scenario, he'd be a monster tight end. Height-based answers only. So, Shohei Otani is six foot four, 210 pounds. He's yep. outfielder slash pitcher for the... Los Angeles Angels. If you don't know who Actually, he is, like home run hitter, which is like a big thing. You have you have lived under a rock for mm-hmm. far too long. You need to you need to you need to get out into the world, and by that I mean turn on your television. So I don't know, Ben. What do you think? Where would he get drafted? So he said hype based answers only, which I greatly appreciate because it makes it very clear how you're supposed to go about this, and it also relinquishes me from my tendency to be like, well, if you think about it, because if you think about it. Uh, you know, like, like it's a total position. It's a total sport switch, which usually gets drafted like sixth round, seventh round. So that's probably where yeah, the baseball happens. players, hold up, baseball players, football players, they mesh, you know, shout out Jerry yeah. Neely. We talked about him this week on the running back summer scouting, right? Baseball I player, think, football right. player. I think the, the pitcher boost, like the Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray sidearm argument gives him what, like an extra round quarterback frame obviously is real big like that helps as well i think that he could go round also like man like the 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 draw in terms of like the star power like i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing like mm-hmm. do teams want that attention or not i think he could go with the last pick on day two i don't know if he's ever like has he ever played football in his life has he ever played so. it down because if he's never played it down then as much as I think some team in the NFL would love the temptation of drafting him in the first round, I don't think it happens. But I think I thought third round as a quarterback. I think third round without him ever yeah. playing football before. Just well, you know, he'd have to like have his own combine and stuff, right? I mean, like someone would actually have to see him throw a football, or maybe if if somebody could actually see him throw a football, I think we're talking about somewhere on day two, probably late due to day two range. If he put his name in the NFL draft, say, like, two months ago, three months ago, whatever it was, and had just never played football before. I mean, he's yeah, he's a day three guy. Some, something you like know two. that some 
owner somewhere and be like, we're drafting him. Like, they just show up on Friday, the draft day. What's our next pick? And they're like, 83. Like, yep, that's Shohei. And right. then they just leave. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of get it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. No, I get it. Makes sense. Joe at work asked this one. Joe at work, always excellent questions. Yes. He said, I pulled all of the players drafted since 2010. And in those 12 years, 48 edge players were drafted in the first round. However, 49 cornerbacks were drafted in the first round. In the average year, top five edges are drafted in the first 43 picks. And for corners, it's the top 37. So with those stipulations, corners getting a little bit more of a premium when it comes to draft picks. He said, but when it comes to the players drafted in the top three, at the very top of the draft, there have been eight edges and only one corner. I believe that one corner was just Jeffrey Okuda. Uh, and if we're to believe that there is a legitimate debate between pass rush and pass coverage, why don't corners go in the top of the draft like edge players? So first, I think that you like, you know, you made a case with the earlier stats as to corners being pretty decently drafted. So there's that, uh, you know, like, I think like, you know, having the one data point that's like very heavy towards the edges. Well, interesting does not like a whole case make. Second thing is right. Like, Draft capital spent does not indicate one-to-one team value. Uh, You know, we know that running backs are not super valuable or as valuable as we once believed. And we also see running backs drafted less frequently in the first round than we have previously. So there are general trends that, that track, absolutely. But I think it's something as nuanced as coverage versus pass rush in which I land fairly in the middle. And I think most, most, most good analysis lands somewhere in the middle uh, on the idea that it is harder to get, excuse me, it is harder to get stable coverage. Pass rush can be absolutely devastating. Coverage can be absolutely devastating, both inform and make the other one easier. So we're really trying to separate two very linked things it's not really – I don't think who gets drafted in the top five has enough of a signal on that debate uh, to really think that you know it, 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 it gives a, a, a big sign for it. The only other thing I would say there is thirdly, in general, really good corner in, the, in college level is more rare than really good edge, and maybe that's just – backwards reasoning off the fact that there have been edges drafted top five and there haven't been corners drafted top five so in my head that means there's more really good edges in college but if you think about the opponents that they face college tackles are way worse than college wide receivers so it's a lot easier to look really dominant as a very good college edge than it is to be a very good uh, college corner and we even know that at the nfl level where it's really good edges create opportunity and they create counting stat really good corners deny opportunity and deny counting stats. And so it's harder to figure out just how to evaluate those guys and just how, how to get those guys fully visible. So I think that there's a little bit of, a, by the nature of the position they play, a bias towards early drafted edges out of college because they feel like surer things. They feel like higher ceiling things sure. because of the nature of the position they play. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into that. Right, and and I think that, like you mentioned at the beginning, what Joe said with his first two points where corners are drafted even at a higher overall rate when it comes to 
the first round and the top 40, the top five going off the board. Corners are usually gone just a little bit before line or edges at a at a pretty premium rate. I mean, the, the, the way that he set that up, I mean, that's a pretty premium rate when you're talking about the top five as an average going out going out of the draft. I think that means more than necessarily who's getting picked in the top three. Because if you ask me what's the deal in the top three, like why corners aren't going in the top three and edges are, I would tell you that it it's it probably just boils down to it, people believe, because it is true, it is more difficult to get elite athletes who are bigger. And when you are six foot five, 255, 265 pounds, and you're a freak athlete, who had production at your position, well, there ain't many of you walking around. <laughs> that's And that's, I think, just what it comes down to in the NFL because a lot of coaches, right. a lot of scouting staffs, a lot of team building, there's plenty of things that go into it with a lot of details, but one of the mottos continues to ring true, and that's that big people beat up little people. That's what the game of football can come down to in a lot of different ways. And when you have the opportunity to draft a big guy who is rarely athletic and hopefully productive, you know, you think about guys like Nick Bosa, like Joey Bosa, like like uh, like uh, like Chase Young, where. You just you just look at him. I mean, Jadavian Clowney. You see why he went number one overall. It's because he's just at, at these players are modern marvels of the human species when it comes to playing this game. And I think that that's just an alluring part of it, and why you end up with a lot of these guys going top three because you could have players who are you know the most talented players in the world, and you look at Jalen Ramsey. I mean, like Jalen Ramsey was everything you wanted in a corner everything I mean he shut people down he had the confidence he had the attitude he had the talent he had the size he had the speed he had he had everything that you could possibly want as a corner and he goes five you know and, and the draft and, and situations obviously kind of go different ways every single year right in that draft we had two quarterbacks go one and two to two quarterback needy teams okay well they weren't really in consideration for Jalen but then number three overall was Joey Bosa and number four was Ezekiel you probably could have argued the fact that Jalen Ramsey should have gone number four overall but you get what I'm saying like Jalen was the perfect prototype Jalen is exactly what you would would have wanted out of any corner and he goes five right and and we just see much more that the NFL will bet on if it's we even saw it in that draft if it came down to Jalen Ramsey or Joey Bosa of course a lot of team situations go into it do you need a corner do you need a pass rusher but more often than not i'm telling you teams are probably going to take joey bosa more than they're going to take it just feels Ramsey. like the more sure thing like i i that's a bad answer but like i think they there you develop intuitiveness when you're in a field and you're like going through things and i would just say that i think nfl decision makers would say that edges are sure things in corners and i'm not sure there's any basis for that but i feel like that would be the answer is that well you're and it's just more sure thing it's a higher floor so you're not going to bust on that pick you're more likely to bust on the corner and which I, and i think that if you if asked jeffrey NFL, busts yeah like, that's I, a big I think deal you, if you asked nfl teams would you rather hit in the top three on an edge rusher or a cornerback i think most nfl teams would tell you i'd rather hit on an edge rusher you know I, i'm not so sure about that one i think if you could guarantee a hit corner and edge that'd be more of a conversation i don't know i think i think i I feel like nfl teams would take a top pass rusher more than they take a top corner maybe i mean like yeah like they're taking more swings in that way certainly so yeah i mean it's an interesting debate it's a good question uh this next one's from adonis (laughs) 
Actually, his name on Twitter is Adonis Huslam. So, I mean, you know, maybe his name is Adonis. I'm going to say his name is Adonis. Who slash what are the biggest winners and losers if Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC? All right, biggest winner, me. People are going to be angry about stuff that they don't need to be angry about. I'm going to laugh at it. I think it's funny. I think the SEC is a humongous winner. Uh, Oklahoma has made three of the last four college football playoffs. I mean, yeah, it's on something. I'll believe that, sure. And, yeah, right? Because the Baker year, the Kyler year, then the Jalen Hurts year. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, I'll believe you. You will, because it's true. Um, yeah, whatever, I guess. And they're doing that because they're able to win the Big 12. And even when they drop a stupid game against Kansas State, they're still able to win the Big 12. For them to choose to not do that and instead join the SEC, where such success is far from guaranteed, uh, is a huge sign of the SEC's dominance, especially when it comes to turning college football success into money, right? Which is an area where the Big 12 is not necessarily as successful as i'm sure oklahoma would like them to be so i think it's a huge win for the sec certainly a win for oklahoma it's also definitely a win for texas it's like yeah oklahoma texas you know two teams that have definitely both been equal level of powerhouses over the last decade well you know texas is very i think you know it it might be bad for texas in the sense of like early on they're gonna get waxed in the sec even more so than they were getting waxed in the big 12 but uh, overall, to be good for recruiting and, and it's good for retaining their national standing. Big loser is Longhorn Network. Sucks to be Longhorn Network, but Texas didn't need its own TV station anyway. That was dumb. Losers wise, um, apparently the Big 12 is going to try to go for it uh, and try to keep it rolling. Don't think that's going to work. I think that this is pretty crippling for them in terms of their football organization. Uh, and then obviously the biggest loser is Texas A&M, which, again, I have no reason to hate Texas A&M, but see why I'm a winner. And to me, the, the Texas A&M Iyer is the funniest thing in the world. Well, no, we're, we're the Texas SEC team. Yeah, shut up. Compete! Sucks to suck, Chief! All right, here we go. The winners. First of all, all of us. This is awesome. More chaos exactly. gives us stuff to talk about. We're going to get more fun games in the regular season. It's going to be a blast. Number two, the SEC as a whole. Obviously, it's the most lucrative conference in America. Not even close. It's just going to get even better. Making money is the next point, just because the SEC is going to be adding two of the biggest brands in college football to an already what feels like dominant stranglehold on on college football's uh, economy right now. I also have new SEC divisions and rivalries because I don't know if you saw SEC Network put out a tweet and it said this could be like, this was just their idea. It, It wasn't like the official proposed thing, but they proposed instead of adding these two teams and splitting them into the two conferences and two divisions that they have now to give it eight and eight, instead dividing it up into four. So like Auburn, Alabama would be in one, um, Texas, Texas A&M and Oklahoma would be in one, Florida and Georgia would be in one, LSU and I don't know who I'm forgetting. LSU would probably be in the Bama division, right? No. Uh, Hold on. Okay, let me, now now I'm going to go back and find this. Now I'm going to go back and find this. Hold Call on. Alyssa. No, I can find it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold Alyssa, on. what were they? No, she's not allowed to, she's not allowed to comment. Contractually. Contractually, not allowed to comment. Okay, here we go. It's Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina in one. Alabama, okay. Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt in one. LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M in one. 
and then Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. So Texas A&M doesn't even get to be in the Texas, Oklahoma. Yes, I love it. But you would play the other three teams in your division every year, and then you would also play some of the other teams around the SEC. So like A&M would get to play Texas. So I mean, like that would just be the, the coolest dang thing. More winners. Tailgating, sports talk radio shows, barbecue cuisine everywhere, Ohio State, and Clemson. Those are the teams that I think are the big winners here if this happens because Ohio State and Clemson, free bid. We're going to be making every single college football playoff the rest of time. Right, free. Losers, Texas' title chances. Uh, the, the entire Big I'm sorry, 12. Texas had title chances? Well, no, they didn't, but, I mean, this just makes it unbelievably more difficult. Uh, the entire Big 12, the the bad SEC teams, the Longhorn Network, college football tradition, Texas A&M, and then just college football as we know it. Oh, yeah? College football as we know it? Oh, just because it's gone? Yes. I mean, yeah, like the Big 12 is eventually going to go away, and if the Big 12 goes away, then something is going to happen with a lot. I mean, like if the SEC really becomes this mega conference, then... It's it's almost like the other conferences in America were will have to like band together to do something about it because the SEC is just going to be. We started talking about this during Not Fan Friday, which was dumb, but we were trying to figure out if you could make a super conference that's as good as the SEC. So basically, like Clemson, Ohio State, Oregon, <laughs> Penn State, right. Michigan, right. USC, right. And it's not as good as the current SEC. So the answer is no. There is no way to stop the SEC. No. It just, Trevor, I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. And every single time I've said it, I've meant it so sincerely. It just means more. It just man. means more. Just uh, means more. Okay, we've got two more questions that we're getting to. These are very quick. Top five video game soundtracks. Did you have an answer for this one? I do. Uh, yeah, my answer is we bowling, we golf, we tennis, we Great. boxing. Yes. Because nice. I just haven't, I, I don't have enough. Like, I would have to go into the Guitar Hero Nice games, which, shot! Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, I put the Pikmin one down as well, and just as a bit. Pick, 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 pick. Terrible. Um, I have no video game soundtrack date. Okay, I just, did, I, I just did sports video games, and I got my top four. I got Madden 2004 absolute classic i got mvp baseball 05 another absolute classic skate one the 2007 version of skate when it first came out and then of course tony hawk pro skater the first one i mean just absolutely absolutely legendary top five comedies this is another one somebody asked us hey we talk about marvel movies all the time give us your top five comedies and this will be the last one we talk about five home alone four the pink panther with steve martin three zombie land two monty python and the holy grail one bull rap I have five forgetting Sarah Marshall, four Step Brothers, three Wedding Crashers, two Super Bad. Yeah, that was and, on my list. And then number one for me is Tommy Boy. Ben, have you ever seen Tommy Boy? Absolutely not. Oh man, you Hate need to watch it. Tommy Boy. Tommy it's, Boy. It's it's really good. It's got David Spade and Chris Farley, R.I.P. in it, and. It's it's just a. Oh, I feel like I've seen a lot of gifts from this. You 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 have because it's one of the most iconic right. movies of all time, and it's really it's not that long. It's like a two hour movie. Ben, like, do me a favor. If if Meredith's never seen it either, just like sit down and watch Tommy Boy One Night with Meredith. It's fun. It's a yeah. funny movie and it's got an actual story to it. 
It's great. Actually, that was not the last question. I lied because I did want to get this one because it's topical because of the NHL's expansion draft that just happened this week. Expansion draft with the NFL. Each team protects one quarterback. Who do you draft as the expansion team quarterback? It's not exactly the best backup quarterback since some teams like the Niners would protect Trey Lance instead of protecting uh-huh. Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure, I, I, I misread. I just thought, like, who would you draft if everything's protecting one quarterback? And I was like, well, then Aaron Donald because it's not worth it. But if you have to draft a quarterback... I think it probably comes down to whoever Green Bay doesn't protect between Jordan Love and Ooh, Aaron Rodgers. That's spicy. Yeah, you're just. I think you're just picking either one because the other ones that I thought of are like, okay, Tyrod Taylor, maybe, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe, Andy Dalton, uh, Andy Dalton, if you want Gardner Minshew. I mean, yeah, Gardner, Josh like Rosen, was, if you actually still believed in Josh Rosen, but I, I was st- leaning towards Gardner, man. I don't think either. Of the, I don't. I don't think any of those answers are better than Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Gardner, but how well, much I better think, do you I think, think Gardner is? I be? think there's no way they're not protecting Rodgers. They're absolutely protecting Rodgers. You, you, they're not giving Rodgers away for free. You would rather protect Rodgers, have him hate you, get something for him in trade, and then have to draft a whole new quarterback, then give Rodgers away for free to protect Jordan Love, and then have Jordan Love be bad. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. So I think that it's to me that functionally that's love, and I would rather take like Gardner Minshew over love, or like even like Dalton or Garoppolo. You'd rather take Andy Dalton over Jordan Love. What is wrong with you? I'm not a big Jordan Love fan, brother. Okay, st- okay, yeah, but like, what's Andy Dalton going to do for you? Jordan Keep Jordan me. Jordan Love might actually be something. Listen. A that boat is make, a boat. That doesn't make any, no. That does, no. That does that does that part doesn't apply here. A very I do, I do, middle that does not apply. tier boat is a very middle tier boat, but a misery that does not apply. Uh, I'm I not just letting don't, you do it. I don't have a lot of faith in Jordan Love, unfortunately. Okay. So right. that's Fair. where I'm at. Fair. There we go. That's Fan Friday, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We went a little over an hour, but we owed it to you because we missed last week. Next week, getting to the wide receiver position with summer scouting a lot of names that we got to get to there's a lot of exciting prospects i was able to sit down with joe marino this week when we were at acc media days and him and the scouting staff they have gone over hundreds of players already that we're going to get up on the website that you guys are going to be able to see scouting reports of hopefully very very soon but he was telling me about how much he liked a lot of these wide receivers that were in this class and so it's going to be a fun week we're going to get to a lot of names until then you guys keep it locked right here on locked on nfl draft